to a horrible time with Anth. That's me and Pebble Dash. That's me. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Um, back at work after a couple of days off. Honestly, I cannot wait until my next day's off. <laughs> so annoying. I can't wait to get back to work. I know. Well, I was going to ask you what you've been doing with your week, but <laughs> you've been a glorious domestic goddess, which I reap the benefits of. Yes, I am quite good at that. And just to reassure everybody who is listening, who doesn't really know us, we're not actually a couple. We are just flatmates. But yes. Anne has been a domestic goddess and looking after the two cats in the house while I've been like, earning that coin. <laughs> they miss you though. <laughs> I know, we're like no. babbies, booing Argento. We need to post a picture on Instagram. We do, Argento, yeah. Show everybody how handsome they are so you can thoroughly enjoy them. Definitely vampire cats. Yes. <laughs> so what are we doing this week? This week we are having another interview. Mm. <laughs> so who are we interviewing this week? We are interviewing the fantastic Jack Plastique. Oh, you missed a check there, dear. It's the fantastic Jack Plastique. Oh, yeah. Sorry about it. Everybody <laughs> from Newcastle has been in Pink Room at the end of the night when Plastique is mortal and shouting over the microphone in Pink Room. You've all been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so this interview with Plastique is a really good one. Um, there's some laughs. And we also get to find out a little bit more about how horror has played a part in Plastique's life. And I really hope you enjoy it. Here's Plastique. Hi, Plastique. Hi, how are you? I'm so good, Gorge. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, Albeit slightly hungover. (laughs) (laughs) Very well. (laughs) Plastique, let me introduce you to my co-host, Anth. Hi, Plastique. Hi, Anth. It's lovely to meet you. Oh, and you too. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I'm well. I'm, I'm keeping well. How are you? Not too bad. Just furloughed, so fun. Oh, I hate when people tell me they're furloughed. It rubs it right in my face that I've got to work for me money. I want to work. <laughs> I want to work. <laughs> so how are you? What's new? What have you been doing? Um, been keeping it real busy. Um, mm-hmm. Hashtag content queen, yeah. uh, which I think everyone's kind of doing at the minute, but like definitely focusing more online, um, starting a new YouTube channel, which is going well, um, enjoying all that. Um, obviously working the, the muggle job just to keep things going, but <laughs> it, it's nice. It's nice to now kind of feel like we've got a light at the end of the tunnel yeah. for this whole whole pandemic situation. Definitely, yeah. Thank fuck. Ugh. Well, yeah, right. <gasps> can we swear on this? <laughs> of course we can. Baron asked the same. Can I just ask? Baron asked the exact same question. Why would you think I would be on a podcast if where you, you couldn't swear? swear? <laughs> I, I didn't know if you, like, bleeped it or something. I mean, <laughs> I should really start bleeping. Like, I, I have a mouth like a sailor. So, like, when I'm doing critiques and stuff, I'm like, I should really edit this out. But it's just too much work. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was very good on Plastic's critiques. I have to say, I did not swear. You were good. I really <laughs> minded my language. Because you put yours for kind of everyone on YouTube, don't you? 
Yeah. yeah. Um, which I probably shouldn't. I, I definitely say it's not made for kids. Yeah, I do that. I do the not made for kids part. So then if a kid hears me spare, that's their fault. Yeah, if you're, sat, if you're sat with your kid on your knee and you're watching Plastic Critiques, that's your fault. I remember <laughs> Layla's episode. Oh, my God, Layla's episode, um, a sister would send us photos, like, every other day of, like, the nieces watching, like, the episode. And I was like, they definitely shouldn't be hearing some of the no. stuff that's coming out of my mouth. But, you know. Oh, well. <laughs> you sensitise them young. That's yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so for those who don't know, who are you and what do you do? I think that, that it's very rude to assume that people wouldn't know who I was. Um, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> um, no, for those of you who don't know, um, I'm Plastique. I am a drag artist, maybe. Um, <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of got away from me in recent years, but definitely... Um, a very proud queer person who works in drag entertainment, mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's fun. I love I love the job. Back when I could do it full time, I love the job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's definitely different now. There's there's a lot less ability to kind of just turn up and look pretty and get away with it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I still manage. Oh, you, you definitely <laughs> still look good. <laughs> But, like, but. It, it's nice to see the people around me making an effort while I continue to coast by <laughs> on my looks. <laughs> so true. <laughs> what oh, God, is... It, oh. Sorry, I felt like I was on Mastermind for a minute. I got very excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for a timer to start. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say is your favourite horror and why is it your favourite horror? So, I don't have a favourite specific horror mm-hmm. um but i'm a very big fan of um the zombie genre mm. um that's that's like my that's my tea when it comes to like horror films i love i love zombie um it's just i don't know what i think it's because it's so rooted in realism that mm-hmm. it could happen yeah um you know, it's it's like, you know, the Pentagon's got a zombie plan, whether they want to admit it or not. Like, we know that it's like, we've seen that person eat that person's face off on bath salts. Like, yes. Oh, zombie, God, remember that? It, yeah, it's it's just a chemical imbalance that could, in, you know, fiction. But in reality, it, it could just genuinely be a case of, like, uh, imbalance in the brain, like... It always freaked me out that, like, the, like you can bite through your finger as easy as biting through a carrot, but your brain tells you not to. Now, what happens when your brain stops telling you that? Zombies. Mm, zombies. <laughs> that, yeah, actually, I've never thought about it that way, but that's a really good way to think about yeah, it. Yeah, it is. So would you say that, like, 28 days later is, like, could be real? Oh, 100%. Um, I think my favourite, if I had to narrow down my favourite, like zombie horror um world war z is up there for me just because it's one of the more recent ones Mm -hmm. um so in terms of like cinematography and stuff it it outranks a lot of the previous um but also if anyone's a fan of like non-english speaking horror um train to busan is amazing such a good zombie film. I'm really annoyed it's getting a remake. I know, um, yeah. Really annoying. Just read the subtitles. Like, stop just remaking stuff and 
whitewashing it and passing it off as our own. Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> well, welcome to horror films more than anything. Well, yeah. like, it's such a common thing in horror to the remake, ruin them. The dreaded remake. Yeah. Amazing film. I can't believe that they're but doing a kind of remake because they've only just released the sequel to Train to Busan. Yeah, it's Is, like a prequel, I think. Yeah. Is yeah. that out now? I think okay, so. I think it's out now. But it's I need a, to see that. Yeah, it's a different story, so it's like in a different area of the country. It, it, I like when they do a prequel or a sequel. That isn't necessarily a prequel or a sequel, but it it builds to the world building of that, yeah. like yeah, of that particular film. Yeah, so like the fact that it's set in a different country with a different cast, cool. As long as it's part of the same story, I mm. like that. That's something I enjoy. It's one of the things The Walking Dead did well by mm-hmm. having fear of The Walking Dead, which is actually just The Walking Dead set in a different area. With different characters. With different characters, yeah. yeah, and they've done that really well. We actually touched on zombie films when we were talking to Baron uh, the other week because we were saying how zombie movies tend to correlate and come out in the times of kind of pandemic and epidemic. So the 80s, obviously, the, the HIV-AIDS pandemic, was massive world news and it was also when there was a major boom in zombie movies um Ooh, so yeah it happened it kind of happens all the time that's why there will be no zombie movies for maybe for a long f- like time, a yeah. few years and then suddenly there's an onslaught and even during the coronavirus like Zack Snyder's about to release Army of the Dead and it's been 20 years since he done Dawn of the Dead yeah so yeah, I feel like there's going to be some more big-budget horror movies coming out that are more zombie-related in the next kind of year or so. Oh, I definitely. I put my money on that. Mm. That will see some. And I will be at the like cinema for every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How would you say that a horror, uh, whether it's like, you know, outright horror or... Okay, spooky, spooky yeah. alternatively dark... How would you say that's influenced your creativity? See, I feel like I'm not the person that gets influenced by horror. I mm-hmm. think that's something that, like, I almost stay away from. Obviously, Vampus Tits excluded. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I wouldn't say horror has influenced me, but I definitely say, like, comedy horror has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, scary movie for example like that kind of like silly over the top like slapstick comedy mm-hmm. that kind that that i would pull an influence from there um but like obviously i've dressed up for halloween like i'm not crazy <laughs> <laughs> i feel like every drag queen has talking about vampire set so actually funnily enough baron obviously we we kind of dived quite a bit into how did you feel as maybe someone who's not necessarily known in in their drag artistry for maybe having horror kind of themes running through it or anything like alternative or spooky or whatever you want to call it? How did you feel coming into Vampus Tits as kind of host and lead judge with Baron and something that maybe you weren't known for? Vampus Tits is something I definitely fell into. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just supposed to be a guest judge for the first week. Um, and then they realised no one else there could really carry an audience. 
So, I... <laughs> <laughs> not even half the contestants. <laughs> so you ended up winning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But like, no, it was definitely something I fell into. It was definitely um, not my, not my cup of tea, not my forte. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not in like my wheelhouse to be a horror. And you can tell that by the way I kind of dress for vampire's tits as well. It's hardly like a, I am the most horrifically dressed or mm-hmm. like in a horror element. Um, me being involved in vampire's tits makes as much sense as like Mary Berry judging the X Factor. But... <laughs> I would still watch it. <laughs> but it's another thing though, like you do so, I think I'm there as the, the anti-horror mm-hmm. to be yeah. the, to be the, the good to the evil i suppose um <laughs> ironically for me but, like, <laughs> but i think i'm definitely there as a as a kind of audience catalyst to be like yeah. we don't know what's going on either yeah would you say that you learned a lot from being for, like about horror from being a judge as vampire's tits um i think I, I i obviously knew a lot about horror like i i've always been a horror fan um, I think I learned a lot about queer horror mm-hmm, yeah. and like the expression of horror through drag, through vampire's tits. Like I was never really like a Dracula fan or anything like that. Like it's just not my, it's not my thing. So like to do vampire's tits was such a like, almost a wake up call. Uh, oh my God, look at this other world that's out there that I knew nothing about. And I think I learned through the competition with the audience. I think that's, yeah. that's what makes it work that I'm there. It's, I'm going to be the one that's going to throw up if someone's like being disgusted. I'm going to be the one that doesn't want to look when someone's being stapled. Like, <laughs> it, or being it's sick. Not, oh God, the, the sick was, and actually no, the sick wasn't the worst. The sick was very close to being the worst. Had it not been for Ivy with the fish guts. <laughs> We were talking about that. Yeah, we spoke about that with Baron. Even for oh. me, that was a step too far for me the to be smell. able to be around because it's stung. The smell, oh. But yeah, I think, oh God, I just couldn't. I, 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 I smelt it in my nostrils for like days after. It was it was one of the most horrific things I've ever had to sit through. Oh, I bet Ivy was stinking for weeks. Oh, <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> like, oh. It would oh, help if she wore deodorant, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> How many showers do you need to get that out of you? I, like, I'm sure we could ask her, but like, oh. I wouldn't like to think. I think. My skin's crawling. <laughs> one of the things I kind of noticed as, obviously in the first Vampus Tips, being a contestant, and then in the second, coming in to guest judge, well, a couple of times, and being there in the audience as well, is... The first vampire, I feel like it kind of laid the groundwork for you to get into it because the first vampire's tips wasn't really horrific or overly grotesque. It was still all of the folk, myself, Risky, but maybe not, well, yeah, Risky, um, <laughs> Tina Colada's, it was all still very camp. Oh, yeah, Tina Colada's the, the top three. Like, she did Greatest Showman. Yeah. yeah, so it was still very <laughs> camp, but within the theme. And I feel like the second Vampire's Tits 
definitely leaned heavier into the more, I guess, the more Dragula-esque, although I hate to compare, but the more Dragula-esque element of the horror. So there was some amazing stuff, but, like, grotesque. So, like, Ivy had fish guts and just some of the looks and some of the things that they'd done were more, like, rooted in kind of general major horror that we know as opposed to keeping it camp filth filth yeah filth's one of the things that baron brought up that can be missing a lot of the times in drag but it's actually such an integral part even if it just comes down to our language and what we say um what did you how did you feel navigating the difference between that kind of first year camp and second year outright kind of horror I think I think we tailored the second year mm-hmm. to be more that way when we were thinking of themes and everything like that. And me and Baron probably went through for how many weeks of the comp we had six weeks of the competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We maybe went through a good 20 theme ideas to like pull out stuff that we knew would be more get more of a reaction. Um like if you compare it to year one, which I had no creative control over, I was just there as a, a pair of legs in a short black dress. Um, <laughs> like, but like yeah, like year one when you had like freak what was it? Was it freak show for freak the finale? Circusy theme, yeah. Like that can go so easily camp. Yeah. Um because freak shows, you know, in, inherently are camp. I don't think they're creepy. I think yeah. You know, if you've got a bearded lady and you've got a two-headed woman, you know, and any kind of like sissy contortionist that can bend that way, that's yeah. gay. Like Very it's gay. not, <laughs> it's <laughs> not camp. <laughs> that's like, ooh, hi, I can bend my legs this way. Um, whereas, like, yeah, too, it was definitely more of a focus on like weirder themes. Like we had the the creepy pasta week, which I thought was such a like bizarre oh, yes. way to do things, but. It, I don't think you could have pulled camp from that, or you would. It would have had to be a stretch to get yeah. camp from that. You know, it it was definitely tailored to be a weirder year. And let me tell you that year three. I'll say this. I'll say this is what the kind of plan may be. There will be a continuous theme throughout the weeks that leads mm. us a lot of different places, mm. um, and create a, a full narrative for the competition. So that'll be exciting. That's un. That's yeah, unusual. That sounds good. That would be so different for any drag competition as well. If you are literally, because I do feel vamp is more of a. It's became more of a storytelling, obviously horror related, but it's more of a storytelling kind of competition. Yeah, the has are a very point. thought out and have a theme and yeah, yeah. It'll definitely be bigger this year. Guaranteed so. to be bigger. And I just hope that it doesn't drag on for a year and a half with no winner. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you mean. (laughs) Drag Idol 2020 year. Still happening. (laughs) What does horror mean to you? I know it's a vague question, but what does it mean to you? Very vague question. Um, In (laughs) terms of... In reality or in media? Like your own personal take and experience with it. What does it mean to you? Um, Horror for me, it's it's escapism, but for the darker soul. 
Um, it's those people, like, you get certain people that want to go to the cinema and watch a Disney film because they want to pretend they're in a fairy tale. Mm. And then you get the dark sickos like us that go to the cinema because <laughs> they want to feel like they're being chased by someone in a screen mask. Like, it's it's real and it's fake. And it's you never know what's going to happen next. It's so... It's an anxiety attack yeah. but wrapped up as like a, a profitable um, industry. And I think that's what's so ridiculously insane about horror to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's appealing, isn't it? Like you want it, you want to go to the cinema and you want to be scared and you want mm. to shout shit at the screen. Like, why are you going down there and stuff like that? Yeah. I get you. Like escapism. Yeah. yeah 100%. Just, but like, but not in a good way. Not yeah. in a like a, like when some people like go to your happy place. Like for a horror fan, that's like someone's basement with duct tape on your mouth. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not lying on a beach in Saint Tropez. Like I mean, that's also just kink fans. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a podcast I could get behind <laughs> <laughs> and in front of. <laughs> Would you say what what is your first kind of memory with horror? Do you remember the first horror film that you watched? Yes. So seven years old, um, very late at night at a sleepover, um, me and my other friends called Jack. And there was three Jacks in school. And we were, we all hung out together. It was weird. Um, but we stayed up really late until his parents went to sleep. Um, and we put on Night of the Living Dead, like original, black Ooh, and white. Yes. Um, and I, I remember being so scared. It was one of those sleepovers where you ring your mum to be like, can you come pick me up, please? Because <laughs> <laughs> we scared the life out of ourselves from watching that. And that's like my first entry into horror. Um, that is a that's a good entry point into horror. I mean, obviously mm. the iconic, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> It's so camp as well. Night of the Living Dead is camp as tits. It is camp, that basement scene as well. So good, so good. And what about maybe more recently, what kind of horror-related content have you been consuming of late? Um, I go through phases with horror, definitely. Um, I had a really big moment, like maybe two years ago, where all I cared about was slasher. Um, <sighs> but like bad, like prom night, I really like that. <laughs> what the um, remake? Yeah. Oh no, I really, <laughs> I really like it because it's terrible. Yeah, um, I can relate to that. <laughs> but like, I like stupid slasher stuff. Like, like, I definitely went through that period of like Scream Four, Prom Night, <sighs> oh, like yes. those kind of like these are ridiculous. What are we Scream doing? Scream Four knew that it was walking the line, didn't it? It mm-hmm. knew it was walking the line between a decent slasher and a farcical slasher. And I feel like it held the line really well. I feel like mm-hmm. it was really meta as well because it was literally like the opening scenes of film within a film. Oh, God, that was confusing for my brain. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's, it's yeah. possibly my favourite screen. I'm not like genuinely like... Just because of the ridiculous, like, energy it was giving, it was just, it knew what it was doing and it did it so well. Yeah. That I, I just love it. 
and because it's so modern as well like um because it critiques like the celebrity status and stuff like that mm-hmm. how jill wants to be a celebrity it's really clever yeah plus emma roberts is a great bitch oh she is oh. Yeah, I mean, if you need a bitch, just call <laughs> Emma Roberts. Hello, up so, Emma Roberts. Yeah, she's so like, good at any, any casting director that's like, we need someone blonde and bitchy. <laughs> and Emma <laughs> Roberts has just got like a red phone in a room. Yeah, she's that like, like the, <laughs> that time again is it? Has she been <laughs> confirmed? <laughs> has she been confirmed for American Horror Story season ten yet? I think so. Yeah, oh, I think. Thank she, God. I think so. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Her cat. Did you watch the last season of the American Horror Story, Jack? Nineteen eighty four. Yes, I have not. Um, I mean, because you don't think, have to. <laughs> you don't. That's have the to. thing. It wasn't like it, it for me. I'm a huge Sarah Paulson fan, a huge Evan <sighs> Peters fan. Yes, they really are the elements of the show that make it so intriguing to watch. Mm-hmm. Especially when you see the the fact that every season, I never go. Oh, that's her from last season. Like you, they always are yeah. so unique every time. Um, so I just wasn't interested. I probably would watch it if it was on Netflix yet, but it's not. The um, first three episodes, I really enjoyed the first three. Yeah, and then it just we thought for a moment in time that the kind of the fan opinion was that actually it. Emma Roberts' character was actually Madison Montgomery and she was on acting set. on yeah. set in an 80s horror movie, right. which would have been amazing, but yeah. it didn't. It, it kind of just kept going. And it, for me, it's probably my least favourite season so far. And I, I, I enjoyed it. I could watch it as a kind of American Horror Story fan. But it was the weakest season. It just dragged. Yeah. So I'm really hoping it, the new season is going to be amazing. Did it feel like American Horror Story? Did it still have that vibe? Or was like it obvious that it was missing the lead actors? And actors? Yeah. It was kind of, for me, it was kind of obvious that it was missing the lead actors. It felt, it didn't feel like American Horror Story because there was nothing really fantastical about it, mm-hmm. which he always usually does. And there was nothing that was like a major twist or anything. Like there was twists, but it was like, oh well, I seen that coming. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen, and it it felt like it felt genuinely like it had been written around a filming schedule as opposed to being fully written before filming. Right. Yeah, I could I could imagine how that vibe would play out. Mm-hmm. It was very disappointing. Yeah. Have you had any spooky experiences in your life? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it it's weird. Um, me and Baron, um, we're both very psychically in tuned to seeing ghosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the best right phrase. Um, you're had... open. You're open to seeing what's <laughs> yes. there. Yeah, and we've had like we went ghost hunting for Baron's um, hen party. Um, that was a thing that we did. We actually have matching ghost tattoos um, because we are so, we we were weird. But I remember one time we were in a room, and I won't say where it was, but we were in a room, and it was it was a really mirrored room, um, lots of mirrors. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and I remember standing there vividly with Baron. 
And Batman was like, can you see them on about these ghosts? And we we see we see ghosts on a regular. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it wasn't like a oh, this is my first time seeing a ghost. I, I have seen ghosts like all my life. Um, but I remember Baron went, can you see them? And I went, no, like literally nothing there. It's just like a sea of nothing. Mm. Um, and Baron went, look at their feet. And there were so many ghosts there that you couldn't see them when they were stood next to each other because that was just a mass of bodies. But when the, you looked at the feet, because that was skinnier and you had the gaps in between, mm. you could see how many there were. And that was like petrifying. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. Look at the feet. Mm. Every time I think of that, I'm like, oh. They need to like, shut oh. the fucking gay scene down in Newcastle. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Haunted but by like... the ghosts of gays past. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's a sin. <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's nice ghosts on the gay scene. Um, in the bank bar, um, obviously it used to be a bank. Um, so downstairs in the cellar is the original vault door from the bank. Ooh. Um, it's still there in the cellar, and there is a ghost that sits at that door and guards the door because that was their job. Um, um so every time I used to go to the cellar, I'd, I'd give them a nod, hello. say hello. Yeah. You all right? Just do my job. And then you just, you get on with, like, I think my family's always had weird experiences with ghosts. Um, like, my mum used to do seances when she was a red coat at Butlins, like, after work. Um, and, like, she used to, <laughs> she told me, <laughs> but, yeah, but, like, she used to tell me, like, a story about how they couldn't smash the glass after one. It, it just wouldn't smash. They, like, mm-hmm. threw off the wall. They threw off the ground, it just bounced. They they couldn't get it a smash. Um, and I don't think they ever did manage to get it a smash. So maybe that's what's kind of brought this energy into my life. But like ghosts have been a huge part of my life. I think it's about it's about openness. So the reason they say that animals and children are the most susceptible to seeing spirits is because they have had nothing to kind they become cynical. Animals aren't cynical and Kids don't aren't become cynical until they grow up. Yeah, uh, it's very much the kind of environment you grow in. Um, I know that we've had our own experiences with both in different ways. Um, with myself, I when I was a, a little kid used to talk to whoever was there all the time. Um, and then when I was maybe nine or ten, I knocked myself unconscious, and after that, started talking to somebody in my house and my dad used to freak out because he'd come in and say like who are you talking to and I'd be like oh him on the chair and that happened for years and my dad thought it was like an imaginary friend at first but we think it might have been the previous tenant because he passed away in the flat so it might have been him that we've seen and then when my mum was ill mm-hmm. I used to always see not it's weird that you talk about feet because you're so right it's one of the things that I've noticed um when my mum was ill nothing scary or anything but just walking up the stairs in front of me I could just make out that there was like like almost like Charlie Chaplin tramp shoes like burst shoes walking up the stairs in front of me and like shadows passing Mm. and orbs and stuff what about you Anne? Um, Well I have a very vivid memory Uh, a family member had just passed away and I didn't see anything, but I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I had my like duvet like up to my neck. <laughs> <laughs> and I um, felt like 
somebody sitting on the end of my bed Uh-oh. like a presence like somebody sitting down I felt like the the duvet like go down so it like pulled from my neck so that was um definitely an experience I didn't look though but it felt like benevolent it didn't feel malevolent mm. it was like it felt good it was a good energy yeah so that was definitely an experience for me I know as well as a kid, I've told Anne this story. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Plastique. Um, but this is how kind of aware I was as a kid that there might be other things going on. So I used to always sleep with a teddy because, uh, gay. <laughs> um, but every single night I went to bed, I would always say out loud, if there's anybody here, if you want to play with my toys, that's fine, but you have to put them back before I wake up. And if you want a cuddle, you can come into my teddy. And I used to say that every single night I went to bed, which is an odd thing for a kid to say. Yeah. But it was just something that, and I still remember it, and I still think it sometimes when I go to bed. I just think about it because it just, it was such a natural thing for me to do. Yeah. It's just, it just happened. My dad used to think I was a right freak. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're drag queens. (laughs) My dad had... My so my like my family's very kind of we're not cynics when it comes to the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Um because my, my dad had an experience when he was in Scotland. Um and I don't know whereabouts in Scotland he was, so I can't kind of <laughs> fact check this. But he, he went into a bar um and he was like he, he was in there for a bit and he was like, There's something on my back. Um there, there's like definitely someone on my back, I can feel it. Um, and he went in the bathroom and he like took off his jacket and stuff and just like made sure that he wasn't just like having like a weird moment. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, nah, there's definitely something on my back. And he was like, to his mates, he was like, yeah, there's definitely, I can feel something on my back. And they were like, no, no, no way, not a chance. I went, he went, right, okay, there's something on my back. It's, it's going to sit in that chair over there. And the chair collapsed. <gasps> Insane. Um, and then like when they were leaving, they went to walk down a certain road and my dad was like, nah, really bad idea. Let's not walk down that road and let's go the other way and get a taxi from the other end. Mm -hmm. And apparently the road they were going to walk down was a road where people would line the streets to try and find witches. So he thinks he had a witch on his back and that's why he didn't want to go down that road. You never know. Like, it, it, it mean, this could all just be like whatever, but like, there's definitely got to be some truth in it. There's too many like... Yeah, yeah coincidental stories between people that like there's got to be an element of truth to the paranormal a hundred and hundred and fifty thousand percent what's really funny as well though is that's actually quite a common story in scotland with witches is that witches used to um take their daughters so people accuse of witchcraft and the Mm. fathers used to carry the daughters on their back under their jacket Oh, to get them away from where they were. Oh my so God. that's what happened with the witch trial. Because a lot of people don't know that there was a lot of witch trials in Scotland, like nothing compared to obviously like America and stuff. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of people killed for witchcraft in Scotland. Um, it's not super well known. Because Scotland, Scotland is literally filled, we're going to be talking about some of them, but Scotland's filled with mystical stories. We've got silly fight. Obviously Nessie is like one of the biggest kind of well-known ones. Um, but we've got the Kelpies, which are like flying water horses, which sounds stupid as fuck when you say it. <laughs> um, Banshees, although Irish origins were another major thing in Scotland 
um, because it's all mountainous and stuff. So, the wind and I could fully believe you were like the descendant of <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you so cheeky cow. <laughs> that screech. <laughs> Usually, that screech though is me going bitch. <laughs> Just sounds slightly different. <laughs> Do you have a favourite spooky drag artist or a performance in drag which incorporates horror elements? I never have favourite drag artists of any genre. There's mm. too many to kind yeah. of narrow it down. Um, and obviously my kind of knowledge of them in terms of spooky drag isn't the most vast. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff that I've seen like personally in person, um, Ivy's Stranger Things number, for some reason, <gasps> always kind of sticks in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just because of the technicality that went into it to make like it look like she lifted up Cara Benara to have the set fall apart. <laughs> There's it some was... fucking horror, Cara Benara. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very well put together. Like it, It's that kind of stuff that I respect, where it's a full, a full production from set to lighting to everything. On a um, small stage as well, yeah, with yeah. no funding. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like obviously we all love Boulevard, but Boulevard has money behind it and is a big stage. But yeah, Ivy puts so much into her performances on a budget on a small stage, and it feels big. It feels yeah, powerful. it feels like a really big production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I'm trying to think of like other other horror stuff that I've seen. I've seen stuff that's horrific, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Any oh, names? I'm, not <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> that's for a different podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> ooh, girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is there any kind of drag performers you would recommend? Maybe not necessarily because it's horror, but just, I guess, because what they do affects you. Because that's what horror does. Horror affects you in a way. It makes mm. you think and it affects you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like maybe not modern kind of drag queens mm-hmm. um, and maybe not even drag queens. If you look back to more club kids, mm-hmm. um, if you look at Lee Bowie giving birth, for example, <gasps> that <sighs> affects you in like a way that's like, oh my God, this is creepy and horrific. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing is definitely more what I would know. Um, but I think there's, for me, it, horror is more beautiful when it's in theatre, uh, when it's mm-hmm. in like, even musical theatre, like Phantom, for some people would count as horror. It's a love mm-hmm. story and it, it's beautiful, yeah. but it would count as horror. Um, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, like that kind of thing um, is all very beautiful on stage. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, you know, horror, but if you think A Woman in Black was adapted from theatre. Yeah, um, yeah. And and that was quite a popular Harry Potter sequel. <laughs> <laughs> you silly cunt. <laughs> Is that not the thing with Daniel Radcliffe, though? Can you see him in anything and not think Harry Potter? Even in Horns, I was like, that's, that's Harry yeah. Potter with horns on. Have you seen Horns? Yeah. Ah, see, I didn't I didn't think you would see Horns. Have you seen Horns? I've seen Horns, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. So good. Yeah, it's, Who's it's that my girl? second favourite Harry Potter sequel. You know Temple. 
Juno Temple, yeah. <laughs> Second favourite Harry Potter <laughs> film. <laughs> so I've got a question for you that's not on the list. Um, oh, okay. What do you think about the, the horror community attracts the queer community so much? Um, for anyone who is queer, you all grew up. That was horror. <laughs> like, yeah, the, yeah. the horror of being a young queer person um feeling like you can't live your life maybe being trapped in the wrong body if you're trans um the bullying the the psychological trauma are all kind of horror tropes and mm-hmm. um, they're all things that don't that relate to like the upbringing of being queer um and i think it leads back to what i said earlier that's escapism um, yeah, yeah. And for queer people, escapism can be horrific, and I think that's why it, it, we're well rooted in horror being queer. Yeah, I yeah, think that's, I would totally agree. Yeah, with that. I would completely agree with what you say. That's kind of very much how I look at it. Me too. We kind of always discuss our side of that conversation, I guess. And for me, it's always the the sense of being othered. And a lot mm. of protagonists and the opposite of protagonists, which Antagonist. I never remember. <laughs> Antagonists <laughs> um, are usually people who have been othered. And yes. I think that's kind of being able to see yourself in something, maybe not so much now, but when when I was young. <laughs> um, why did I sound like milk doing bloody Grisabella? <laughs> but when I was younger and there wasn't so much queer representation, so horror was kind of where I seen like, oh, these people are different and have been treated differently. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a really, I think it's such a common kind of result and common answer to the question, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, Jack, do you have anything to plug? Oh, so many things. Um, my butt. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> as long as it's bigger than an Asian lady's finger. Oh. <laughs> oh, now, now that's my version of horror. Because I've got a bad back. And oh, dear. <laughs> Why did we have to bring that up? Because I will never miss the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of actual things to plug yes. um, yeah of course come check me out on youtube youtube.com forward slash c forward slash jack plastique um loads of stuff going on there um mm-hmm. some makeupy stuff some drag racy review stuff um we have a brand new show starting it'll be within a couple of weeks of this mm-hmm. um called style squad um, mm-hmm. which is going to be very fun, a very fashion-based show. Um, so do stick around for that. Huge production value going into that. I've ordered a brand new backdrop. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> really exciting. But yeah, that's foil? Something <laughs> I, yeah, it's, a, it's another one of those Amazon ones that we've all been using today. Amazing. <laughs> but yeah, definitely come check me out on YouTube. Obviously, follow all my social media, all at Jack Plastique. Um, loads of stuff happening, a lot of stuff that I'm kind of keeping under my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I don't want to jinx it. No. But yeah. there's definitely some exciting things happening. Um, but we'll, you'll find out when you need it. We will. And I think 
for us, obviously, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Yes, thank um, you. This is Jack's year of saying yes, which is why mm-hmm. he ended up here. <laughs> 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 and it's our year of saying yes, which is how we ended up here as well. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Getting something started. Oh, but um, yeah, thank you so much. It was a really lovely interview. We learned lots yes. about yeah. Thank you, Jack. Thank you very much, You're Bab. Very welcome. Thank you for having me. You know, anytime I can talk, I, I can just go on forever. So it's exactly. appreciated. We shall speak to you soon, my love. Speak to you soon. Bye. 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 You can follow the podcast at a horrible time podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow your host Anthony at Anthony Detro on Twitter and at Diamond Hardskin on Instagram. You can follow Pebble at it's Fable Daps on Instagram and Famous Cunt on Twitter. Recorded by Pebble and Anth, mixed and mastered by Pebble Daps. Artwork by Graphic Design. <laughs>